present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us for a second visit to the fine city of Birmingham at the Hippodrome Theatre. The city of Birmingham is world famous for its architectural heritage. The first parish church of St. Martin. <laughs> the first parish church of St. Martin's was built by William the Conqueror using architects and craftsmen brought from Normandy. That these artisans possess specialist knowledge unknown to the English is commemorated in a tapestry in the chancel which reads, This house of our Lord was constructed by the grace of Norman wisdom. <laughs> Just below, a picture of a little builder falling off a ladder. <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle lived and worked in Aston, where he regularly visited shops in Watson Street. It's recorded that while short of a name for a new character, Conan Doyle spotted a sign there, and so was born Dr. Massive Golf Sale. <laughs> The romantic novelist Dame Barbara Cartland was born in Edgebaston, but spent her working life on her country estate. The last time she visited Birmingham, on the occasion of her 80th birthday, there was an unfortunate incident when she was asked to smile for the camera, and a large area of the city was destroyed in a chalk dust explosion. <laughs> Birmingham, is, Birmingham is proud to be the home of H.P. Source. In celebration of 100 years of production, in 1998, the Queen Mother visited to address workers at the HP factory. Her Majesty was a little frail and unable to get her words out, so they turned her upside down and smacked her up. <laughs> and smacked her on the bottom. Let's meet the teams. They are on my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. On my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Andy Hamilton. And making a welcome return after scoring so successfully last week, please welcome the lovely Samantha. We kick off this week with a round called Uxbridge English Dictionary, as there's much confusion about the true definitions of many words. For example, there are some ignorant souls who don't understand the subtle difference between the terms metaphor and analogy. Well, metaphor means the figurative use of terms in a context to which they're not literally applicable, whereas analogy means you itch and sneeze. <laughs> But words are constantly changing their meaning, so I'll ask the teams now to share with us new definitions they may have spotted recently. Graham, you can start. Aerobic, a chocolate biro. <laughs> Tim? Tadpole, ever so slightly Polish. <laughs> Andy? Wastrel. A very idle bird of prey. Very? County Down, popular Irish television programme. 
on the subject, farting, Irish for a star. <laughs> it's a farting, you see. It's right up there, God. It's full of Irish, yeah, thank you. Precipice, push-button toilet. <laughs> Parapet, an airborne cat. <laughs> Gastric, lighting a fart. <laughs> Cardiac. Someone who knows a hell of a lot about cardigans. <laughs> Uncoil. French contraceptive. <laughs> and uh, metatarsals. Got together at Geoffrey Archer's. <laughs> Unscrew French prison water. <laughs> There's a theme developing. Yeah. Jacuzzi. Italian version of famous essay by Emile Zola. <laughs> Forbear. Look out, there's a bear on the golf course. Uh, Claymant. An insect that's had an accident at work. <laughs> Twofold beginner's origami class. Circumflex. To, to cut the end off a piece of wire. <laughs> okay. The teams are going to sing along now to some well-known discs in the round called Pick Up Song. Record researcher Samantha is now back and poised in DJ mode at the record deck, ready to give the team's discs a spin. Each should sing along with his record until, at my signal, Samantha turns the volume down. If on the music's return teams you're within a gnat's crotchet of the original, I'll be awarding points, and points mean prizes. Frankly, my dear... This week's prize is sure to delight every philatelist with an interest in issues commemorating amputations. It, it's this beautiful leather-bound stump collection. <laughs> Graham, you're to start, and I'd like you to accompany Tammy Wynette singing D-I-B-O-R-C-E. Our little boy is four years old And quite a little man So we spell out the words We don't want him to understand Like T-O-Y or maybe S-U-R-P-R-I-S-E but the words we're hiding from him now Tear the heart right out of me Our D-I-V-O-R-C-W-E Becomes final today Me and little J-O-H-N Will be going away 
I love you both And this will be pure H-E-double-L for me Oh, I wish that we could stop this D-I-V-O-R-C-A Okay, you're next, Andy. I'd like you to accompany Charles Trenet singing Boom. La peau de Jules Rey, tic-tac, tic-tac. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pac. Clou, 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 font sous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-ding-ding. Mais boum, quand notre corps fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum, et c'est l'amour qui se veille. Boom, shuffle love in bloom, or rhythm to so boom, qui a des boom à l'oreille. Tout a changé depuis hier, à des yeux la plume de ma tante, priorité à droite. I'm just making this up now, sur la mer le soleil, apparaît sur boom, l'astre du jour fait boom, tout avec lui dit quand notre You now, Barry, would you accompany Louis Prima singing I Want to Be Like You from the Jungle Book? Now I'm, I'm the, the king of the, the swingers, swingers. Oh, the, the jungle, jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town. And be just like the other man. I'm tired of mucking around. the joy of hearing 2001 people make an absolute make an absolute dog's breakfast <laughs> finally will you Tim please accompany the Kaiser Chiefs <laughs> singing I predict a riot <laughs> He's not very pretty, I tell thee Walking through town is quite scary And not very sensible either A friend of a friend, he got beaten He looked the wrong way at a policeman Would never have happened to Smeaton And only a dense and la 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 I predict a riot. I predict a riot. I predict a riot. I predict a riot. The teams are going to indulge us with a spot of acting now in the game called Sound Charades. 
this, this was inspired by the erstwhile TV favourite, Give Us a Clue, in which teams used to mime the titles of books or films against a strict time limit. The original version of this was conducted in silence. Happy days. <laughs> However, silent mime would be hopeless and pointless on the wireless, so the teams are allowed to speak, thereby eliminating all but two of the problems. <laughs> the undisputed master of the genre was Lionel Blair. And hopeful team members used to constantly badger Lionel with pleas to get a place on the show. Lionel relates how he once had Christopher Biggins on his back every night for a month. <laughs> before he finally got the part he wanted. <laughs> Tim and Andy, you're to start, please, and your title will shortly be displayed to the audience via the laser display screen. <laughs> for listeners at home, here's the mystery voice. Arsenic and old lace. Arsenic and old lace. Uh, it's a right. Glyanna film, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Glyanna Definitely film, at least four words. Four. Four. four words. And it goes something like this. What is it? What is it? Playing a film. Yeah, what's oh, it played a film? Yeah, but yeah. what's it called? It's what's it called? <laughs> you boys. Yeah. You think we're going to walk into that one? Um, okay, here we go. Um. Ow. Oh, I just sat on the scissors. I was, uh, I, sorry, I was using them to cut up these discarded doilies. <laughs> it's very good. It's, uh, <laughs> you tell them, Barry. Well, no, no, you tell them, go on. Toss a coin. It's arsenic. Yes. And? Yes. Old Spice. <laughs> Race. Nearly. Yeah. Right, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your title's now being exhibited on the laser display board, and here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. Flog it. Flog it. TV. 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 Two words. Here we go. Here we go. Excuse me. Yes? Can I interest you in buying this dead horse? Okay, the next round takes a look at some unfinished sayings from around the world. It's called Incomplete Sentences, and it's based on an original idea by the Home Secretary. <laughs> okay, I'll present the teams with the first part of sayings and statements by some supposedly clever people who got it wrong. The team's task is to try to complete them. Okay, Andy, the first one's for you. Dr. Dionysus Lardner, 1793 to 1859, professor at University College London. Rail travel at high speed is not possible because... We live in Britain. <laughs> the answer is passengers unable to breathe... Passengers unable to breathe would die of asphyxia... We don't have to get on the train. 
If you're unable to breathe, you die of asphyxia sitting in a deck chair in your back garden. (laughs) (laughs) What a twit. (laughs) Okay, Graham, how about this? Michael Fish in October 1987. A woman rang and said she heard a hurricane is on the way. Well, better out than in. If you're watching and waiting, there isn't. Tim now. Henry Ford, president of the Ford Motor Company, said in 1928, people are becoming too intelligent ever to have... Ever to have four-by-fours in towns. (laughs) The answer is ever to have another big war. Barry, can you finish this one? Bartholomew the Englishman, an encyclopedist of the 13th century, said of the magnet, this kind of stone restores husbands to wives and increases elegance and charm in speech. Moreover, along with honey, when placed on the head of a chaste woman... You can stick her on the fridge door. (laughs) (laughs) Now wait, because you really want to know this answer. It It cures dropsy, spleen... Fox main. <laughs> oh dear. We've got to be serious because people are taking notes at home. <laughs> to their doctors, probably. <laughs> it cures dropsy, spleen, fox mange, and burns. It's going to sound a bit odd, a cheer for the words fox mange and burns. <laughs> Reminds me, I've got to write to my solicitor. (laughs) Is he out now? (laughs) Back to you, Andy. Bernard S. Tamley, MD, in a treatise on the science of sex attraction, 1919. Copulation is dangerous immediately after a meal and during... No, no, I I think that's the whole quote. I think it's... (laughs) Copulation is dangerous immediately after a meal and during. <laughs> I think that's it. No, it's got dot, dot, dot after it. Oh. The answer is the two or three hours required to digest it or having finished a rapid walk or other violent exercise. Mm. He lived I in prefer- the fast lane, didn't yeah. he, where he was? <laughs> I preferred yours, Andy. Graham, Napoleon Bonaparte on June the 18th, 1815, the morning of the Battle of Waterloo. I tell you, Wellington is a bad general. The English are bad soldiers. We will settle the matter by... Penalty shootout. (laughs) The answer is lunchtime. Remember, General Montgomery at El Alamein said, this chap, Rommel, is definitely a nuisance. So we'll hit him a quack and finish with him once and for all. It'll be quite easy. Unfortunately, he won the Battle of Alamein, and so he ditched his chances of getting on this program. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here are some for any of you to have a go at. Napoleon Bonaparte again to Robert Fulton, inventor of the steamboat in 1805. What, sir, would you make a ship sail against the wind and currents by lighting a bonfire under her deck? I pray you excuse me. I have... A plane to catch. <laughs> the answer is, no time to listen to such nonsense. Here, here. 
and another, Tony Blair in 1998, whatever the risks we face today, there is nothing compared to the risks if we do not halt Saddam Hussein's program of... Quote, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is developing chemical and biological weapons of mass destruction. And another, Harper's Magazine, 1853. Nothing could be more anti-biblical than letting women... By the hour. (laughs) The answer is vote. And finally, William Miller, founder of the Millerite Church in America, said in 1842, I'm fully convinced that sometime between March the 21st, 1843, and March the 21st, 1844... I came into this room to get something, but I can't remember what it was. That sort of thing used to be funny, I think. <laughs> and the answer is, Christ will come and bring all his saints with him. <laughs> it's music time again with the round called Swanee Kazoo. <laughs> this is the round in which the teams combine the soothing lilt of the Swanee whistle with the cheeky rasp of the kazoo. What once would have been thought an unlikely combination are now words that go together as naturally as Ulrika and Tom... Ulrika and Dick. (laughs) And Ulrika and Harry. (laughs) Piano accompaniment will be provided by Colin Sell. Listeners may... That was totally unnecessary. Listeners may be interested to learn that Colin was recently asked to join an Ultravox revival tour when it was discovered he's a favourite of Midge's. (laughs) So they had him hosed down with DDT. (laughs) Tim and Andy, you can start, and I'd like you to provide us with a rendition of Cinderella Rockefeller. This is to feature Andy Hamilton on the kazoo and Tim Brooke-Taylor on the swanny whistle. I'd like you to provide us with a rendition of By the Light of the Silvery Moon to feature Barry Crow on the kazoo and Graham Garden on the swanny whistle. (laughs) 
Okay, so, and the next round? <laughs> Carry on. Notice it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time to fit in a round of Gardner's Film Club. Samantha tells me she has to nip out now as she's off to meet a Gardner gentleman friend. She says he's recently planted an apple orchard with a view to getting into commercial scrumpy production. Samantha says that if his forecasts are correct, he's going to be really big insider. <laughs> So while she's away seeing him, <laughs> so while she's away seeing him, I'll ask the teams to suggest titles of films likely to appeal to an audience of gardening enthusiasts. You can start this one, Andy. The Germinator. <laughs> Daddy. The night my cucumber came up. <laughs> Graham. Indiana Jones and the Turnip of Doom. Tim. Back to the Future. One. <laughs> the Lawnmower Man and the sequel, the He Never Returned, My Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Back to the Future Two. <laughs> Robocrop. <laughs> One. <laughs> she stoops to conquers. The murders in the rhubarb. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Some like it hot, but most prefer some shade, perhaps by a wall. What do you think, Bob Flowerview? The eagle has landed on the bird table. <laughs> The Manurian Candidate. <laughs> Bring me the shed of Alfredo Garcia. Back to the Fuchsia 3. <laughs> and so, ladies and gentlemen, as the song of time is sung for the supper of destiny by little Tommy Tucker, and the censor of doom cuts the second line... I notice it's the end of the show. So from Samantha, the teams, myself and the fine folk of Birmingham, it's goodbye. Barry Fryer, Graham Garden, Andy Hamilton and Tim Brooke-Taylor were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sowell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson and the producer was John Naismith. Hump and the teams will be back at the same time next week.